Hello listeners, welcome to the Not The Top 20 podcast with me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick. It's a Sunday podcast. I can't remember the last time we did this, but schedules dictated a Sunday recording, and we're at my flat uh, recording this, at home with Ali Maxwell. I was thinking of starting a podcast series called that. What, what do you think? That sounded like quite a good idea. Me talking to um, famous sports people, among others. I think that might have been done already by a, an EFL head honcho, so Ooh. you'd be slightly behind, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Colin Murray's already done it. We won't be taking him on, that's for sure. Uh, a note to the listeners that if you're not already aware, uh, I've been appearing on The Reaction, which is Quest their digital show on a Saturday at 7.15pm. Quest, of course, is where you watch the EFL highlights on a Saturday night on Freeview, on your Skybox, whatever you've got, you can find it. Um, I've been joining Colin Plus Guest to react to some of the afternoon results. Uh, At 7.15, you can watch on Twitter and Facebook. It's great fun. Colin, as you can imagine, is a real laugh. And I miss George a lot, but if you fancy a bit more EFL chat, you can head onto the Quest Twitter page to listen to that. That um, makes it sound like I don't provide the EFL chat. Mr George, but if you want EFL chat, then you can go to which is fine. Um, but yeah. also worth pointing out that this won't be the only time that me and you are, are recording on a Sunday. Because? Teasing, because next Sunday we're going to be probably here together again, unless I can drag you over my way. Mm. Um, recording a... Uh, yeah, we won't say what it is. But I think we can say what it is. Yeah? Yeah, we've had a few people uh, tweet us to say, where do you think... Um, Norwich are going to finish now compared to your pre-season predictions or what do you think now about the fact that you tipped Donny for relegation and I think it's about time and a nice bit of Christmas content for us to do a redraw to do a re-predictions so that's what we're up to next Sunday isn't it? Yeah exactly because I'm so stubborn apparently I'll probably just say exactly the same as what I said beginning of the season uh, No one would be surprised It's which 12th yeah. <laughs> Let's go for it Yeah so re-predictions next Sunday get excited for those um, if you fancy a bit of downtime away from the family around Christmas time or whoever you're spending it with then um, hopefully we can be your companions with those podcasts in the championship George we don't need to talk about Norwich for what feels like the first week in ages they drew with Bristol City a decent result coming from behind to equalise but we've got new leaders and it is Leeds taking Norwich's top spot Norwich have been there for a few weeks now and Leeds despite a lot of injuries that we have discussed at length Keep winning games. Uh, yesterday, they went to Bolton and they scraped out a 1-0 win. Uh, it was a game in which Patrick Bamford came back from injury uh, and it was a very nicely taken goal, wasn't it? And with the news about Saif, uh, a positive return for him. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think that Bamford scoring in the way he did in a game where they were struggling to break through and when Kamaru, I don't really had an opportunity to score all game. Um, it was important. And, and, you know, we keep mentioning... The injuries, but again, they brought Lewis Baker in centre midfield, a player who I think most fans assume would be a big part of their team this mm. season. He's barely played. It's not working, is it? He's been taken off at half time the last two exactly. starts. But then you bring on Jack Clark, who again is a player who, who seems to be settling into this level of football very comfortably. Yeah. So there's a, and you're looking at the bench, you've got the likes of Tyler Roberts, who had that fantastic spell earlier in the season, Jack mm. Harrison, who I think, again, a lot of fans would have thought that his loan spell would have been far more involved in the first team. Mm. So. I mean, the injuries are an issue and, and losing... I mean, you've got to assume that Saïs will, will not be in the, in the matchday squad until January when he does depart as well. Yeah. So it's, it should be difficult, but they're dealing with it very easily and, and the youngsters they have coming into their team look to be doing it well. I mean, yesterday they came out of the blocks very quickly. 
it looked like it was going to be a bit of a rout, but then actually Bolton defended well, um, not particularly well for the goal where, where Bamford was left in too much space in the area. Um, Lovely assist from Pablo Hernandez. As ever. Surely one of the league's best players this season. Yeah, I think one of the league's best players generally in terms of quality. Um, and that, that's supported by by his um, by what he's done in his career as well, mm. Spanish international, briefly. Excellent defensive stats this season, Leeds. And we spoke a lot about Middlesbrough at the start of the season, how they were... Uh, the best defence in the league and how that might be enough to to send them up. Actually, uh, given recent borough form, which we'll touch on uh, in a little while, Leeds have now conceded only two goals more than borough and they've obviously scored 12 more. And their defence, given the... Uh, given the absence of Ailing, uh, of Cooper, Janssen previously, um, and Berardi as well, it is it is fantastic. I mean, they restricted Bolton yesterday to, to not many chances, and that's what they've been doing in the last few weeks, where we've actually seen them grinding out wins. You know, they still will have a lot of possession of the ball, but they're not dominating teams and playing this unbelievable football. So it's quite interesting, I, I find, because that's what we expected pre-season. That's what we expected after five games, because we saw it. And now they're finding different ways to win, which ultimately is is a very, very positive thing. Yeah, I mean, I think arguably the reason for that could be because the system itself, which we saw early in the season, the system looked like it was going to be creating amazing opportunities, Mm. playing incredible football. But actually, if you break it down, the key aspect of the system is the high intensity Mm. and not allowing the opposition team to really have the ball in dangerous areas. And that has translated into uh, into not conceding many goals. Maybe it's system over personnel. I mean, you and I have spoken uh, on here and on EFL Matters about Bailey Peacock-Farrell not being good enough. I think mm. it's fair to say management agree, given um, the rumours about who they're going to be signing in January. Calvin Phillips is you know, a makeshift centre-back, although he doesn't really look at when he, does, when he plays, he plays very well. Mm. You mentioned the injuries to Berardi and... Um, you know, Shackleton at right back as well, you wouldn't have thought would be the, the key one. So you have to wonder, maybe it is... You know, maybe the the praise of of, of um, what Bielsa has done has maybe slightly shifted because the way they're winning has changed. But mm. maybe it is still that system that is is the key to why they're so good defensively. Yeah, spot on. Well, very very positive for Leeds. Bamford coming back and scoring. It was a brilliant take. Um, they they played the whole of the second half with a, a right side of Shackleton, who's nineteen, and Clark, who's eighteen. Um, quite fantastic. Obviously, we've spoken about Norwich bringing youngsters through, but uh, Bielsa is finding a way to. Top of the table, in my eyes, the best team in the league so far through uh, however many games we are, 21-22, and bring through um, some some youngsters from the Leeds Academy, which is obviously such a big part of the club's history. Uh, West Brom had a very impressive win against Sheffield United on Friday night. They have now beaten Leeds, who are top, Norwich, who are second, and Sheffield United, who are now fourth. West Brom, of course, in third. So they've beaten three, the other three of the top four. And still five points behind Norwich, but some some very good features of that performance. Obviously, going behind, going ahead, and the, the way that Sheffield United didn't really get close to their goal well, as they went ahead. I mean, that was the weird thing about it. Chris Wilder, after the game, um, definitely blaming his players rather than, than giving West Brom much credit. And it feels like that's a bit of a a trend this season where wherever, whenever West Brom seem to beat people, maybe with actually not with the exception of the Leeds game, because again, I think a lot of the onus there was on Leeds. It mm. seems to be the way to instead of instead of give Darren Moore and his players the credit that, that maybe they deserve it seems to be the reason is is the teams they play against struggle yeah um, but it feels like when you watch these games I still think it is fair to say 
I don't quite get how they're doing this. I yeah, mean, yeah. Our, our mate texted us sort of midway through the first half towards half time and said, gosh, Sheffield United are such a glorious side, aren't they? Absolutely brilliant tonight, indicating that they were dominating. Um, and, and then he found out the score about an hour later and he couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> so, off, yeah. But, but they, they, they only need spells, it seems, of 45 minutes. Now, that is good, but I think also not great because that's the sort of thing that you know points to them getting yeah. a little bit lucky well, but I still think you know they've beaten Leeds 4-1 they've beaten um, they've beaten uh, Sheffield United at Bramall Lane Leeds are results that, that suggest they're a class team yet mm. here you and I are very reluctant to say it mm. um, which is harsh because especially given that they're a club who've been in the Premier League for a long time who've come down last season mm-hmm. You'd almost think it would go the other way. You'd think you'd get too overexcited. But for whatever reason, we're not really committing to to them being a class team and all the evidence suggests otherwise. Um, but, but I'm with you. Uh, this is a huge result. Not many teams go to Bramall Lane this season and, and get a win, let alone from behind. Mm. Um, Wilder said afterwards that his players couldn't really find the pass and they let West Brom pass around them, which, which again, is, is just so unlike them. Mm. Um, maybe some question marks over Sheffield United's current form as well. Uh, they've only kept one clean sheet this season West Brom which is remarkable in 20 odd games whatever it is Um, something uh, to watch out for if they can tighten up further which of course they have done uh, to an extent from the start of the season when they were all over the place at the back uh, then then they should be a real force to be reckoned with Harvey Barnes excellent again um, seems to be performing so consistently I mean I remember saying on those videos for Sky that I thought he could score 10 goals and get 10 assists and I don't know how many people do that on average a year. Very, very few. Uh, he's on eight goals and six assists already. So uh, I, when I said it, I sort of felt like I was being a bit, I was exaggerating a bit. I was being a bit ridiculous. And now I feel like I should have said 15 and 15. Um, but will he stay? That's the question. Will he be there for much longer? Will, mm. will, they, will, will he go back to Leicester who could actually kind of deal, deal with him, I think? Yeah. Probably. I guess mm, Leicester In- have got some highly paid more established senior players that they need to But even play so, I mean, as well, the results aren't necessarily good. Like Madison, was, Madison was hauled off yesterday again under the hour mark. Mm. So, um, and the fact that he can play off the left or as number 10 mm-hmm. just seems like that creative spot that maybe they're lacking. Mm. Swansea came from behind to beat Sheffield Wednesday 2-1. Now, this said a lot about Sheffield Wednesday and it said a lot about Burst Anselina who, in bursts, uh, shows himself to be a match winner coming off the bench setting up a goal and then scoring in fact in the reverse order it was a wonderful assist for the winner for Routledge um, from Sheffield Wednesday I really don't think there's there's too much to add is there we spoke last week that we, we thought Luhukai would go um, and it's another goal scored and by no way a, a, a testament to them it's just a massive mm. defensive lapse by, by Swansea so you can't really even look positively on the fact they were one up it's yeah, it's pretty desperate. Um, I mean, we talk about Forestieri the whole time, absent again yesterday. Um, they need him, but even when they've got him, I'm not convinced they're any good. Um, you know, Luhukai says that it's, that it's the worst criticism he's ever faced. No one wants to see that, but I, I just can't believe he's still there. Yeah, last 11 games for Swansea, they've won six and lost five, no draws. So very much one of those um, strange yo-yo teams who, who can't find any sort of consistency. However, there are, of course... A lot of teams around them in mid-table, like Birmingham, Stoke, Blackburn, who are drawing too much. So, you know, as they always say, it's better to lose one and win one than draw two, um, which I always find interesting. People bang on about these unbeaten runs. We probably do sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, Rotherham are unbeaten Roth- in 10. They've only won yeah. one. Yeah, they've yeah. Only, sorry, they're not unbeaten in 10. Except for the they've lost Norwich one yeah, yeah. and they've won one yeah. in 10. Yeah. So you can say, 
they've only got one win in ten, or you can say they've got. We're going to talk about last one because it's still pretty painful for me. To- <laughs> uh, we won't. We won't talk about uh, Rotherham. We try and leave the draws, don't we, in general? Yeah. Because there's yeah. there's you know thirty six fixtures to talk about, so Indeed. we have to find a way of narrowing it down. Yeah. Uh, QPR beating Borough is a very much a sort of headline, I think. Um, QPR, of course, they had such an unbelievable run, which followed such a terrible start that now it felt like we got used to them being a, a mid-table side. And that's where they are now, isn't it? That's that's what they've settled into, which, you know, at times like this, when they get results like this, it's worth saying. QPR are still um, hugely impressive, considering what we thought they'd be, not even pre-season, after, after five games. Yeah, they're, they're kind of a hard team to make a fist of, really. Mm. I think on their you day... You wouldn't want to bet on them, would you? Well, I mean, I have, and it, <laughs> it normally goes, you know, bat them at Stoke. Um, they're, they're a team who... And it's a massive cliche again, um, but they're a team who, on their day, can beat anyone, mm. and also on their day get whooped by anyone as well. So <laughs> it's it's like a yeah, it, they're, they're a tough one to to understand. But I think now, after what was a turbulent first four weeks of the season, mm. that they're probably in the top ten best teams in the league. And um, and I have concerns. Maybe I'm scarred from when I saw them live, but I've got I've got concerns about um, Joel Lynch and, and Leisner as a. As a defensive duo in front of Joe Lumley. I don't think that's a particularly solid three to have um, you know, as, as, as box defenders. But having said that, there's a lot of quality in the team. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of, of Easy. Um, Freeman is, 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 as we all know, a quality player at that level. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's, it's hard to make a case for them to go better than mid-table, but at mm. the same time, there's, there's no way they're going to get sucked into the, uh, the relegation zone. Is, is, it, that, is that the curse? Have I just done it? Yeah, maybe. I mean, <laughs> mid-table is normally... Where you know the likes of us and other major media outlets and highlight shows and whatnot, it, it's hard to make things that happen in mid-table um, the big stories. But if you look at the teams from ninth to sixteenth, Swansea, Birmingham, Stoke, Blackburn, QPR, Bristol City, Preston, and Wigan, I mean, you're looking at some some decent teams there. So it's 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 an interesting. It, yeah, it, it helps to make the league what it does because well, the gap between. The top teams and the bottom teams is large, but the gap between the top teams and the middle teams, not that yeah, big. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, one thing that's interesting from yesterday, which I'd like to find out from any QPR fans, or even yourself, if you know, okay. is uh, Joel Lynch went off after 52 minutes mm. and was replaced by Josh Scowen. Oh. Which seems like quite a weird substitution to make just before, you know, when you're one all against one of the, the league high flyers. So I don't know if it was a, a reversion to a back three or if, or if Luongo went back in centre-back. I think Cousins but, does a bit of centre-back, yeah. I think. Um, Interesting, but either way, I mean, it worked. So I, I mean, I, I'm assuming it was an injury for Lynch. I can't imagine that was a tactical shift. But if it was, then uh, yeah, you know, Steve McLaren's done a, done wonders there. Yeah. So Cousins moved to right back. I'm seeing a tweet saying that. And which furlong means into furlong must have gone. I mean, all the wow. more impressive. Yeah, to have beaten Borough on Borough. Three weeks ago, they were second, two points from the top. It's been a genuinely a pretty devastating few weeks for them. And ever since I went on TalkSport and said that you know they were they were the shoe in for the top three, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean I've been really surprised to see how their forms dipped. Um, you just didn't see them being a team. You know they were never going to be one of the best footballing teams in the league, but you thought that they were just going to keep clean sheet after clean sheet, mm. and they've lost that mm. in the last couple of weeks. No clean sheet in five now for them, and no goals from set pieces yet. <laughs> so I don't know if Tony Pulis has, has just decided he's going to tear up the rule book for uh, for this one, but. Um, but yeah, just one shot on target yesterday, which they scored from. It's uh, it, it's not looking good for, for Borough. It's a real dilemma, isn't it, for Pulis? I don't know if he sees it as a dilemma. I suppose he probably doesn't. But his teams, when they are not efficiently picking up points and winning games, the, 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 for the fans, 
it's it feels tired. like it just is so much worse. Yeah. You know, their run of form is not great. Um, but if you stretch it, you know, they, they lost, obviously, to QPR. They drew a Blackburn last week, having gone down to 10. They got thrashed by Villa on the late Saturday game a few weeks ago. Before that, you know, they were unbeaten in seven, three wins, four draws. So it doesn't take much for them to... And, and of course, I'm sure there are fans who still see how it might work but it just feels like a bit of a hiding for nothing for him if you know they've got Reading up next Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich well, I mean that's it those, those are three huge games I mean it's easy we always sit here and talk about teams and their current current runs but three games in the course of a 46 game season is, is nothing and even now we're what 20-21 games through the season there's mm. so much time to go so many points to win and lose and realistically, this this blip from from Middlesbrough, you have to think it's going to be a blip. They're not going to do a Brentford and lose seven games out of eight. It's just not going to happen. I, I don't think. Yeah, but they're uh, losing touch with the top two. They are, but then at the same time, the teams who are kind of you know Norwich and Leeds, for example, will go on a run like this. They they, they are going to lose games, and mm. I think at the moment we're talking probably at the back end of, of a of a blip from Borough. And you mentioned the three games they've got coming up. Tony Pulis will be delighted that those are the three games they've mm. got. Um, Reading away, um, Sheffield Wednesday, and Ipswich. Uh, Arguably the three worst teams in the league currently, with Millwall running them pretty close. Bees, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and of course Brentford. So uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if they don't get at least you know four points from those, probably six, mm. and, and, and see how they go. Huge win for Ipswich, and what a goal! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's one of the worst goals you'll ever see. But they, but they need that luck. Yeah. You know, if anyone hasn't seen it, Freddie Sears kind of tries to let rip and, and scuffs one which just bobbles over over um, I think Wigan felt pretty hard done by in general definitely. in that game but then Ipswich have had so many games especially at Portman they've drawn six games at Portman Road yeah. that was their first win there they've only lost four games at home a lot of teams who, who've got far more points and will get more points this season by this stage have lost more than that so yeah I, I having seen the highlights back and had a look at the game it, it seems like Wigan were the better team for the majority mm. but there have been a few games this season where Ipswich have deserved a win and, and come out either with a draw or empty-handed. So um, I don't think anyone can can uh, can deny them. Begrudge them. This slice of luck, yeah. Nice. Yeah, a, a good win. For Wigan, it's a weird one. This away form, again, we're talking about it, just massively, massively undermining how good they are at home. Uh, fourth best home record in the league, 22nd in the away table. So it's a massive, massive problem. And who knows exactly what it is. I've always... You know, we've spoken before about how, you know, if Pulis is stubborn and sticks to his approach, well, Paul Cook certainly does the same. Luckily for, for Paul Cook, it it has been in the last five years incredibly successful and it's easy on the eye. It's a nice system and, and it encourages good attacking football. But whatever it is, away from home, something's got to change. It's a bit like Brentford earlier in the season. Um, they were really good at home. They were terrible away. And it just seemed obvious that, you know, make some... Make some changes. Just be a bit more conservative. We'll, we'll do something. Um, not good enough for Wigan, certainly. Um, and talking of bees, they lost away to Hull. Um, haven't seen many worse defensive teams than Brentford it's over the last two horrific. months. Horrific. They yeah. tried Yanaris and Makocho at the base. They brought in Jean Vier for Konza. Didn't make a difference from the first minute when the ball was in their half. They looked terrified. I mean, they, they had two chances to take the lead before the before. Campbell scored as well and, and in typical Brentford fashion um, couldn't put them away I mean the, the, the Dalsgaard error for the second goal is just like it's so bad and you can tell by his reaction you know, he basically takes it's like, it's like a tackle air kick yeah. where he basically fails to stop the man or touch the ball when and he's been getting pelters when, as well when it's probably 80-20 in, in his favour going mm. into the tackle so and you can see straight away he just grabs his head and says like, what am I doing and what am I doing how have I made that error and then yeah. you see also 
I think it's Jean-Vier after the goal goes in or just turn around and just be like what what is that like how can a collection of players who are technically obviously gifted make so many clangers yeah. um, I am yeah I mean I'm, I'm still convinced that it can't continue but but this is just the so, longer it goes on something's got to give yeah I mean I was at Bees Rotherham on opening day I think Brentford won 5-1 uh, it was late goal from Rotherham uh in the sun, the mood was very good. They played beautiful football. Their, their star players looked sharp. They looked like they were ready to, to get going. And they had a very good start to the season, of course, with uh, four wins, two draws, and just one defeat in their first seven. So it was a good start. They're now on the same points as Rotherham. Now, that's obviously, it goes both ways. Impressive Rotherham, uh, a team very much part of, of this division on merit and playing well. But that is remarkable when you think when I think back yeah, to 4th yeah, of it's August it's incredible I mean yeah it, it's, it's going to have to improve I'm really interested to see what they do in January because as I've mentioned before they, they've got this new stadium coming they're building to become a Premier League team and, and a relegation to League One now is, is like yeah, I mean, obviously it's unthinkable for most championship clubs but for them it would be an absolute disaster hmm. um, especially given the quality of players they have at their disposal as well I mean the likes of Ben Rama Sawyers Morpe Watkins I mean, these guys are, are not going to be sticking around <laughs> if yeah. they get relegated. And realistically, the price tag that they'll be able to to get for them is diminishing currently, and it's yeah. going to go down even further if they get relegated. So in January, they've got to find a way of bringing in, a, you know, a, a, some established players, just a, a centre back who mm. who's over the age of twenty two or twenty three, <laughs> who's played in England before, you know, a centre midfielder who can be that that kind of who can just protect the back four. Because um, they just don't have that at the moment, and they're, they're, the over reliance on, on, on technical football when you when you've had this age old problem of not being able to put the ball away, it's costing them so much. Um, there has to be a rethink, and, and, and with the manager as well, um, it's something doesn't seem right there. Hull are having an unbelievable time. Uh, last eight games in the form table, they are seventh, but fourth equal in terms of points. Uh, there's there's what are there six teams. Or five teams who have got 15 from their last eight. Hull are one of them alongside Villa, Forest, West Brom, Preston. You know, teams we've talked about a lot. Only Derby, Leeds and Norwich have got more points in their last eight. So, absolutely fantastic job being done by Nigel Adkins. And while, while the current owners are still there, it feels hard to imagine that they will, um, you know, trouble the scorers at the top end of this league. But they're up in 17th. And again, a bit like QPR, if you'd said that to me, Six weeks ago, two months ago, uh, I'd have called you a scoundrel. So, <laughs> well, yeah, they're. I mean, they've got three away games on the on the bounce coming up now, mm. um, which is going to be tough over Christmas. Um, that is tough, and that, that's followed obviously by by a home game against Bolton, which they'll hope it's going to be one of those where they they've got to look at that game against Bolton, hoping that they have have, have maintained their their gap between themselves and and the and the bottom three in those three games. Big time. Um, but it's going to be tough. I think it's Preston, Leeds. I mean, that's two of the hardest places to go at the moment. Um, so it's, it's going to be we're going to see their true metal now I'd yeah. say I know they had a bad start but Preston who got a win against uh, Millwall 3-2 another entertaining game another sparkling performance from Alan Brown it seems absurd to me that they're still only 15th just feel like they've feel like their performance level is more like a 9th, 10th, 11th but th- this is the problem with the league at the moment there's nowhere for them to go because the other teams are yeah. kind of like that well, too it's what I said to you about Oxford before we started it's, it's that thing where if you have a poor start you can go you know Oxford have just had a record ever consecutive home wins for like wow. 25 years and you're still languishing like 19th <laughs> um, so you know newsflash uh, a bad start can really hurt you but uh, they're doing very well I was a bit concerned with the Callum Robinson injury that mm. that would hamper them 
Um, but we've, we've mentioned Brown before. He's a, a class act and he's someone who they'll be desperate to, to keep hold of because I'm sure that he's getting some, uh, getting some, some glances from clubs uh, towards the top end of the table as to uh, reinforcements in Jan. Yeah, in terms of number 10s in the division, Alan Brown, not one of the more um, fashionable ones, I think it's fair to say. Um, I didn't really necessarily consider him to be a, a true number 10. I'm not sure I still do. Part of the problem is because he wears number 8. You always see him popping up late to score and he's number 8. He's a bit more Lampard than, than sort of yeah. proper in the whole stuff. But the Preston fans tweeting yesterday pointing out that you know, there's a lot of talk about Sir Bradley Dack and Brown in terms of output, in terms of value to his to his team. It's got to be up there. Yeah. I think my point was, and this is wrong if this is the case for the media, if this is right, and, and maybe myself as well, that you've got different types of 10. You've got passing 10s, you've got dribbling 10s, scoring 10s. Dak is sort of scorer-dribbler. Brown is sort of scorer Passer, a bit of everything, yeah. sort of really creativity. Yeah, creativity, exactly. <laughs> um, but an excellent, excellent few weeks for Preston. Really good to see them doing well. Um, I think that's it for the championship in League uh The big game was Barnsley Pompey. We don't often talk about draws. People joking people for a second then thought we were just going to skip over to France for uh, yeah. for a nice little analysis on the weekend's action. <laughs> uh, Barnsley Pompey wouldn't have looked at a place in in League One. It was a very compet uh, sorry in League uh, a very competitive game uh, and a one all draw and quite familiar themes really. Uh, Barnsley well ahead in terms of xG, um, dominant in the first half and one 0 down at half time. Pompey soaking. And then scoring um, and, and really taking their chances. Now, Barnsley roared back, uh, got the equaliser. So there's some positives there, but it does sort of sum them up. I mean, Pompey will now definitely be top at Christmas, um, no matter what happens in the, in the games before Christmas or in the game before Christmas. Uh, they've got Sunderland next weekend, which will be another cracker. And Barnsley out of the playoffs altogether, which is just a, another one. We're like a broken record today if, if you'd said that to me two months ago. Yeah, would have been very surprised. There are always going to be teams who do that, and it's a similar story for me with, with the Borough thing, where they've gone through a sticky spell. Um, they are a team who didn't do much business in um, in in the summer. I'd be surprised if we didn't see a couple more incomings. Um, they've definitely got the ambition and the money, um, and the yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of players come in from the continent. Let's mm. say um, who we may not know much about, but I'm sure they've done their homework on. Um, it's it's not a particularly deep squad. Um, as well so yeah I, I, I think that they'll we talked about how they've got some players who wouldn't look out of place mid-table in the championship yeah and there's some players that exactly. are just a bit mid-table exactly. league one I think the reason why they probably didn't look to do much in the summer is because they were aware that they needed to take stock there's no point investing um, early on if you don't know the league you're in or where you're going to be in January and I think you know, the, the new owners there um Relegation last season was a blow because they're not going. I don't think that personally they're going to be a yo-yo team from Championship League One. I think they'll be established in the Championship in a couple of years' time. Um, so it's a work in progress. It, it, after the fast start they had, it's not ideal, but it's also by no means a disaster in the long term. Should Luton be the current favourites to win League One? Are they? They're not current favourites. Portsmouth very much the favourites Sunderland just behind and then Luton just a, a whisker behind them but very much I mean you can get the best price on Sunderland um, is longer than many people have Luton so it, no one can decide put it that way it's, it, that's why it's an interesting question is that best price on Oztrecker as well? that is best price okay, on nice. Oztrecker um, yeah it's I, I don't think they should I think Portsmouth are rightful favourites um, I'm not going to get into 
the other rest of it. But I think Luton are probably right for second favourites. The way they're playing, um, they they look just rampant home and away. The the, the numbers behind it are, are fair and, and and say they're there on merit. Um, they've got a deep squad. Um, they've got a manager who you've got to be so impressed with. The only concern has to be if if teams uh, such as Sheffield Wednesday are looking at Nathan Jones, thinking that he, they could maybe mm. may, maybe bring him in. Um, I've got a feeling he is. A pretty loyal guy who who I think would seize his job as as taking uh, Luton as far as he can go before he gets the uh, the, the Brighton job um, come come whenever that may be. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm so impressed with them. Um, they they they're the absolute blueprint of of how to do it when you find yourself as a as a kind of a biggish club in League Two about how to yeah. rebuild and and how to um, get yourself back back up there because they're 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 not going anywhere. They're they're second on merit. 31 points from a possible 36. Of course, Sunderland, who are just behind them, uh, one point behind with two games in hand, uh, themselves are on a very, very good run. Um, They've only lost one game all season, of course, Sunderland. I think they're unbeaten in 12 currently. And they won from behind against Bristol Rovers. Now, of course, they've got the games in hand over Luton, two games. You would expect them to get uh, a point from those and, and technically be above Luton, but you can't assume that they will. Is the difference... In how you're thinking about these two teams, the fact that, for example, Connor Bromley from Roka Report, who is the Sunderland fan, <laughs> the, the Sunderland fan that we go to anyway for, for yeah. opinion, um, in his scouting report from the game, he said it's a, a dominant display despite not playing well, um, which says a lot about Bristol Rovers, really. He says Ross's men continue to put points up despite not playing well, whereas Luton are blowing teams away and playing very well yeah it's something I got out earlier on Twitter and it's, it's you know it's kind of a bit of a bugbear of mine when people say it's, it's kind of not to go Premier League but it's kind of similar with how Liverpool are playing at the moment people saying you know they're picking up points they're getting out of first gear what you're really saying there is they're picking up points that they don't necessarily deserve um, I'm not saying that, that Sunderland didn't deserve to win yesterday because um, by the sounds of it they did especially on their second half performance um, Although a lot of people at the game, um, you know, Jonathan Wilson of the Guardian was at the game and tweeted that they were dire and dull up to the goal. So mm. um, that's interesting. Um, they do have these swathes of games, don't they, where they yeah, don't play just, well at all. And then a bit like, who were we talking about earlier? A bit like West Brom, maybe. They have parts of games where they do the business. But this is what, I, you know, and, and this notion of first gear and second gear and all this, realistically, if, if, if your team has another gear to go into, then, then they're going to play, you know, they're, they're going to try and play at their best ability. Mm. And this is, you know, taking the data side completely out of it. This is what I'm getting at: is Sunderland season is going to go one of two we- two, one of two ways. Either they're going to improve, in which case they're going to get out of first gear. Yeah, and probably win <laughs> the league. And, and probably and probably do a lot of things, or they're going to stay in first gear, and the points are going to dry up. It's one of the two ways. And if you look at the the recent, you know, spate of fixtures, um, they've played Walsall three times, a team who who lost four 0 away at Bradford uh, on the weekend. And failed to beat them three times, albeit one with ten men. Mm. Um, they've they've haven't kept a clean sheet in four in the league um, against, you know, very nearly got beat at home to Wickham. Um, went behind it against Bristol Rovers. The the signs on the pitch aren't as convincing as the uh, as the points suggest either now. And as we all know, football is played on grass. But I'm seeing, an, uh, you know, the margins of victory and the small margins, in my opinion, are starting to to reflect my concerns that's not to say you know it's a massive game at, at, at Fratton it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them beat Pompey mm. on Saturday because I think it's the kind of game they'll relish um, but it's you know it's 20 games through a 46 game season at the moment 
and uh, and there's a long way to go and and I, and I still think and I'm sure like I'm sure Jack Ross will will agree um you know that they, they need to improve if they're going to maintain the run of form they're on very well put you big nonce. Um, <laughs> thought I'd get that one in there on behalf of, of uh, everyone. All the Mackhams listening. Let's talk about uh, Donny and Scunny before we talk about Yellows. Yeah. Uh, Doncaster are sixth now, and they're a funny team because you know I'm sure they're. A, this is very much focusing on the good times, but uh, through ten games, Donny had 21 points, which is very very impressive, more than two points a game. Then they had a bad run where they got four points from seven. And in the last five, 13 points, four wins and a draw. So, I mean, they are showing themselves to be, along with Charlton, um, the best of, of the rest. If we're considering that the best are Pompey, Luton, Sunderland, Barnsley and Peterborough in some form. Yeah. Uh, those two are the ones to sort of keep an eye on, it feels like. Yeah. yeah I mean, they're, they're an example of where the data gets it right, where they, they were flagged much before this run started as being one of the class teams in the league and they weren't picking up the points. Um, they look great. Mm. And, and I think they look like a team who are, who are massively united in terms of what they're doing. Like the fans and the, and the players and the manager all seem very yeah. confident that they're doing the right thing. And even when they weren't picking up points, there was the the notion, you know, the Barnsley game is an obvious one where, where the manager came out afterwards and said, you know, we were the better team. We, I'm annoyed, but at the same time, it's great that we can play against teams like Barnsley and, and, and be the better team. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Charlton are an interesting one where I'm, st- I'm still, for whatever reason, just, just not really convinced. Um, it looks like they're going to lose Joe Rebo, um fairly soon yeah. to, to the Bundesliga. To the Bundes, that's which fun. is interesting. I mean, not um, fun for us, but no, interesting at least. Uh, and I, I still feel with them, there's just this just this huge reliance on the, on their front two, which is which is completely fair enough because they're probably two of the top five strikers in the league playing as a duo, which is pretty handy. Yeah. Um, whereas Doncaster just seem like a bit more of a team. Mm. Um, I'd love to watch a behind-the-scenes documentary, which is obviously apt at the moment, given the Sunderland documentary on <laughs> yeah. Netflix. I've so watched, watched, watched the first episode. Very keen to watch more. Um, I'd like to see one on, on Grant McCann's first few months at Doncaster because we, if I'm honest, more or less wrote them off. And a large part of that was Grant McCann joins in the summer. Is he going to make them better than Darren Ferguson, who had them incredibly good at the back and pretty ropey going forward? And we thought, no, actually, that we hadn't seen enough at Posh uh, to suggest. But maybe Posh is just a bit of an outlier where you can't judge managers on, on how or what they do at Posh because what he's done is amazing and, and the start that he's made is sensational. So, Yeah, uh, in, in, in my view, you know, as a fan of a League One team, um, if in February when, when Oxford were looking for a manager, if he was up there as one of the candidates, I'd have said, no, thank you. Yeah. And right now, if we lost a manager, he'd... You know, we wouldn't get him, but he'd, <laughs> yeah. but he'd be banged top of the list. I think. Spot on. Nice kit as well. I know you're not into kits, but I think Herbie Kane just looks like a bit of a superhero. Did you see on the Battle Bramble Lane podcast, a guy tweeted us saying he was going to turn off because all we were talking about was kits? Really? And I wanted to be like, I was saying I hate kits. Surely oh, if you don't yeah. like kits, then you'd be happy there was someone being like, I don't like kits. Well, maybe he did turn off because if he's well, kept he did, listening. He didn't because then he kept, well, but, he was about live tweeting the whole podcast afterwards. So. But surely he would have realised quite quickly that the reason we're talking about the kits is because we were giving kits away. Yeah, well. And that's just quite standard, just bigging them up, I think talking he was, about them. I think he covered the game for uh, for West Brom and was a bit, bit un- upset that we hadn't um, got in touch, maybe. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, huge wins for Plymouth and Bradford down at the bottom. Now... Uh, before we talk about them, I just want to give a nod to Fleetwood uh, because they got past Burton. They've been on poor form. Alex Cairns made some amazing saves, which he does quite often, possibly more often than the many or most League One goalkeepers. There are some good keepers in League One. Um, Fleetwood are 10th. Now, it is pretty bunched 
you know, from 10th down to yellows in 18th, there's only five points. But I thought they were doing quite poorly. Um, so I'm just, uh, I know they started okay. I was just surprised to see them in 10th, put it that way. But, you know, eight points off the playoffs. Well, then, and Burton are like 11th or 12th as well, which I, and I feel like... I'm Burton quite, are 15th. Well, I'm quite surprised they're there as well. They just seem to... And I know they go and had a couple of good runs, yeah. but um, they're not a great team, really, are they? Funny old league, isn't it? At the bottom of uh, League One, it, it, the bottom half is pretty grim. But there's one team lighting it up at the moment. And we haven't spoken about Oxford, genuinely, for maybe like eight pods or something like that yeah. because we got a bit of stick didn't we you were always banging on about them because they were bottom of the league after 12 games with only six points I think yeah. it was so talk us through the, the renaissance because you mentioned earlier record home wins or something like that yeah it's, 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 it's almost five points above the rally zone it's, I mean, it's, just, it's just so annoying it's only five points um, but it's been really good recently with the exception of the, of the defeat at Valley Parade Mm. Um, it's, and I think Carl Robinson deserves loads of credit. Yeah. Um, the fraud, <laughs> as I'm as I'm always told, he is. He deserves. He got a lot of stick to start with, and and it's been, it's been like personnel tweaks um, that have that have got us there. Uh, John Massino mm. coming into. I feel like John Massino coming into that defensive midfield role is like one of the most like League One-y things. People say like, oh yes, you're you know you got much better since that John Massino thing. Yeah. You see it like all over like analytics, yeah, analytics Twitter and things like that. People yeah. talking about the the Messino thing. Um, That's James Henry, it's true. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. Okay. And, and J- it's him and James Henry playing as a two. A guy who's played like the majority of the time on the right wing for Oxford and the guy's played centre-back. What about playing. Uh, Brannigan? So Brannigan, so Brannigan, he either plays as a 10. Him, him and Henry basically kind of pivot. Nice. Um, Dovetail. So, yeah. yeah. And um, and James Henry's, you know, in double figures. Um, he, he, Carl Robinson came out last week saying that he wasn't convinced that Henry would necessarily have the tools to play centre midfield but as soon as he saw him there he was he, he knew that it was it was the right thing to do I think he's got six goals and two assists in the last six league games which is an unbelievable return I, I, was, I was thinking yesterday, he's one of those players he's not like fast no he's not fast he's not that he, skillful he, he's, but he's just deadly from the edge of the box he's very good at getting into, into dangerous positions he works very hard um, and he he cares, which I know isn't necessarily like a, nice. like a football manager attribute, but he you know he does he he he, he grafts very hard. And that was a very data lover of you. No, it, he cares. It, it wasn't. <laughs> it's, it's more just uh, if you're playing that position, you're not very quick, but you've got yeah. the you know he he puts a shift in. Basically. Yeah, yeah, um, that, I value it. You were going to say you were thinking something you'd well, flagged up because the last eighteen months have been very very poor for the club. Um, basically, since Michael Appleton left, it's been struggle after struggle. Mm. Um, he probably, in terms of what he's done as an individual, deserves to be, have kind of a, a pretty good status in in terms of Oxford United players in recent history. But then, because we've been poor, I don't know if he's necessarily gets the love he deserves. Mm. And he's he's came out in the press last week saying he's asked um, Carl Robinson for a new contract. He's 29 years old, um, and I, for one, am, am desperate that he signs one because mm. he's he's the closest thing we've got at the moment to a uh, to a bit of a club legend. Yeah, that was a big win. Just looking at the results against league positions this season, the first time you've beaten a team above 15th. So prior to that, you played, I think it's 10 games against the teams from 1st to 14th, no wins, um, mostly losses, only only five draws. So uh, a, a statement really against the Blackpool side who kept who had kept the equal most clean sheets in English football. Well, they'd, they'd only conceded eight goals away from home before yesterday. So, Good stuff. Marcus yeah. Brown, I know you're very excited about. You yeah. said to me... Say on the reaction that Marcus Brown will play for England uh, and then record it 
uh, put it on your show reel, and then uh, show the world in three years' time. Yeah, bit tongue in cheek. No, well, <laughs> I think he'll he'll be a, an established Premier League footballer. I mean, I was saying when he he scored yesterday, but it is an own goal. But when he did, when I thought he had scored, you know, it's just one of those things where he's a low knee and he's so good, and it's just so sad that that come. Um, you know, come May, he'll no longer be ours, and, mm. and and he'll be unattainable unless we go on some bizarre streak to the playoffs. Uh, and the last, but then having said that, the last two players I thought that with Kamal Roof signed, and we had a lovely year with him before we sold him. Yeah, and then Jordan Graham, who's about to come back after kind of four years in the wilderness. Very so that's exciting as well. Uh, big win for Plymouth against Rochdale away. Do you see the winner? Yeah, that's that's probably the comedy goal of the season. Yeah, a back pass from Perkins and. Who was the England goalie that did that? Was um, it Robinson? It was Carson. Carson. It was just that, wasn't it? Yeah. it was just a kick that he would have made 10 million times before, obviously an exaggeration, and not even a bobble it that takes, I saw. It takes a lot for my girlfriend to willingly watch anything, any football on TV, and she made me rewind it so we could watch it again. Nice. Um, it, was, it was, yeah, one for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, Plymouth's win and Bradford's win, which we're not going to talk about right now, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah means that Wimbledon are bottom. Uh, they lost to Charlton. Their ex-legend, Lyle Taylor, scored. Doesn't look from what has been uh, a very small sample size and a very tough fixture against Charlton that Don's fans are a confident Wally can and will save them. Um, a lot of talk on Twitter about, you know, just spending the next six months preparing for next season in League Two, which seems premature, but you can understand why they are feeling like they are. It's been a an absolutely horrendous two, three months. Um, and, you know, Ardley left. It seemed like he had to. It seemed like, you know, it was just, it was only going one way. I still I still think that the squad is really poor. Now, not all Wimbledon fans agree. And they'll say, no, no, this is, they, you know, there are some mid-table players in that team. I don't see that at all. I really don't. I don't think Wimbledon's best players are particularly good. So, yeah. I mean, Oshelaji, I, I used to bang on about a lot and he appears to have fallen out of favour somewhat. I just can't think of, it, of anyone that but, I would want to have if I was, let's say, a top half League One team. But they're another team, you know, they're, they're the outlier in terms of the XG data. Um, the other end to Sunderland, where they're the ones who project very well. I think they're about eighth for XG ratio. Hmm. So, that, I mean, that, even, even if you don't buy into, buy into it very much, that, that suggests that the quality has to be there. I mean, maybe not in terms of, of keeping it out and keeping it in, but in terms of general gameplay. Um, they have the tools to do it, but I, I'm 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 with you. Um, it just well, I think if Ardley was still there, I'd, I'd be confident that they'd get out of it. But do you think it's one of those awkward ones? I mean, it's stupid to even speculate, but it's on my mind. If they get relegated in 24th, if the form doesn't pick up, does Wally Downs take them in League Two next season? It just it would seem crazy to me if he does. It just mm. the whole point about a manager changing the manager short term you know you have the manager bounce because it gives everyone a lift and there's re- renewed belief whereas the way they went about it had you know it seems to have had the opposite effect it's just it just makes everyone's deflated talk about preparing for league two already mm. um you know wally downs may well be you know a, a very qualified coach and, and someone who 30 years ago did a lot of stuff for the club but um yeah i'd i'd all the best to him but but it seems like it's it's deflated them a bit and you, you don't want to see them suddenly looking for a new manager again in a couple of months when they realise it, w- it wasn't the right call but it's early days you know it is very early days and you can't have a go at him for, for losing at the Valley um, where a lot of teams will it's just we've said it from the word go that given the amount of managerial talent 
in the country. It just seems seems a bizarre decision. Current favourites for the Bristol Rovers vacancy, um, and you know, shortest odds is Steve Cotterell, uh, just over two to one on Skybet. So there's no one really short, but Gary Waddock. Mike Flynn is an interesting one. Ian Holloway, I'd be really surprised at. I know the links with the club, but he's written columns for the Bristol Post in which he has uh, savaged the current ownership. So I'd be surprised about that. Um, it'd be interesting. Just a couple of interesting names. Paul Hurst. Um, Michael Appleton is very long, so clearly uh, no word on him being in the frame. Uh, Mike Flynn's an interesting one. because it's, just, it's a pretty desperate list, really, isn't it? Yeah. But it's often the case these days, isn't it? And we've shown that we're not always right about uh, about managers. Often, Correct. but not always. Great win for Southend, who really needed a boost. Be good to see them get some players back from injury and start to, um, I want to say, fulfil potential. It sounds a bit a bit harsh, but just in the case that they could have been so much better this season, um, the majority of, of their woes have been injury woes. So you, you can't have a go too much, but it'd be good to see them improve. Um, they're in 12th now, so, you know, not doom and gloom. In League 2... A couple of things to touch on. Uh, Sol Campbell's first win as Macclesfield manager. Um, what I wanted to point out here is that uh, the defensive record has been brilliant in the last few weeks. And I mentioned it on the betting show. The XG data has been, you know, mid to top half. Uh, just just on a, a four and eight game rolling basis. So smallish sample sizes, but enough to sit up and take note. Uh, they've only conceded one goal in their last four games. They've won three of them. So... Well done to Sol Campbell, good first win, but also I wanted to say well done to Elliot Durrell, who came back from injury five games ago. Big part of their promotion campaign and just has given them attacking quality that they didn't have uh, in the start of the season. And Nathan Cameron, who I mentioned on EFO Matters, a uh, big part of that defensive solidity. So it, it'd be really interesting to see where they can go from here because they're still very much down at the bottom. Yeah, my, my favourite quote from Sol so far in his, in his short uh, Macclesfield. I don't know why this made me laugh so much. Um, but after the game yesterday, he said, for me, that will give the lads great confidence. Nice. As if like, you know, in my opinion, winning a game, great confidence for the boys. Great confidence. And I love just, yeah, the for me, it does feel like it's all going to be quite me, me, me for Sol. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a, a fantastic start for him. And uh, and you, you do feel with those kind of appointments, we know what happened in Notts County. It's getting off on the right foot. Um, where if it was a couple of grim um, losses for them, especially in the conditions of yesterday, yeah. he might start thinking, what am I doing here? So yeah, yeah. to get positivity going underway early is important. Exeter got a much needed win. Uh, they'd had a run of no wins in eight, in which they dropped from second in the table to ninth. But with that win yesterday, narrow home win against uh, an admittedly poor crew side, has them back in the playoffs, back in seventh, clinging on there. So that's a, a positive for them. Um, where else to go plenty more actually just to, to rattle through Neil Ardley's first home game in charge first win since the 6th of October for Notts County saw a fan tweeting saying a fight and a battle it's all we asked for so happy days for Notts County and notable that John Stead who had fallen out with Harry Kuehl and was out the matchday squad for five games before Ardley came back showed his class two goals uh, I think he got an assist as well just like they brought in Dennis and Hemmings, and Hemmings played well as well yesterday. But you know, still all about John Stead, isn't yeah. it? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Hemmings Hemmings had a part in all three goals, didn't he, for them as well? Yeah, that's encouraging um, for them. Yeah. Their three goals that they scored is more than they managed in their last five league games combined. So, and they've also conceded two. Uh, so, it's still plenty to work on. Still a long way but to yeah, go. And, but for a team who'd forgotten how to win, to to, to throw away two leads and then and then get over the line could be big for them. We actually just got a tweet from George Morley 
who said, not a game of much quality, simply looked like Notts wanted it more. Fairly dangerous going forward, but defensively very frail. We crumble under the slightest pressure. <laughs> Ball-winning midfielder and quality defenders needed John Stead, the GOAT. So that is positive. Really always very happy when fans who have just had miserable Saturdays for months and months finally have a good one. Oldham smashed Berry. It was an odd game, this. 3-0 up Oldham uh, at half-time in, in a, a, a big game, a derby game between two teams who came down from League One last season, had desperate seasons against the Berry side who have projected incredibly well in the last two, three months. Oldham hasn't had two in recent weeks, in fairness. Yeah. We need to give them more credit, Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. I think so. They're in 10th now, but only two points <laughs> off the playoffs. So one to look out for because they hadn't lost, well, they still haven't lost to any of the bottom nine, but they hadn't beaten any of the top 15. So it's a bit like Oxford. At, at, if that's the case, you can't say they're a top half team no. or they're a challenger if they can't beat a team. Yeah, yeah I agree. So this was, uh, big. this was big. Chris O'Grady with a hat trick. I mean, the, the third goal. It was one in 39 it was for O'Grady. He's now got like yeah. six in or five and five and four. He, uh, we don't talk about referees really on the podcast. There's really no point. But he, uh, he just like the keeper claimed a high ball and he just jumped into him. And it was just a, a, a foul 99 times out of 100. It bounced off his shoulder, rolled in. That was his hat-trick goal. So sometimes you need those. Um, but great scenes for Oldham. A big, big win. Uh, and very impressive given Berry's recent form. Um, not long to go now one more one more one in League 2 to touch on George Carlisle beat Colchester 4-0 I think Carlisle might be the weirdest team in the division yeah just like I mean they're they're in 12th so I mean I'd consider them to be just a really bad team yeah I don't understand it at all they beat Swindon 4-0 they beat Colchester 4-0 between that they didn't win for 3 they just I mean how do you even begin to analyse a team that I don't, I, I don't know why we're trying to. Um, again, I think it comes down to the manager, who, who's just a very, a very capable man at that level at League Two, John Sheridan. And you know, there's a reason why his teams generally pick up points, mm. and that's because he can, you know, turn them into good, good League Two football teams. Yeah. And, and every so often, he seems to, to to strike gold with this Carlisle team. I think they are losing Ashley Nadison in uh, January. I think he's going back to Fleetwood. That'll be a big loss. Uh, feels to me like the, the key players really are still. Danny Granger at the back and Jamie Devitt, uh, the creative class act. They uh, both missed last week's game and came back into the team after injuries. Uh, Devitt has five goals in his last six, so they really are leaning on him going forward, but that's that's fine. He's a quality, quality player. Um, which leads us on to our team of the week, and it has to be Bradford, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Partly a 4-0 win from the bottom club to lift them off the bottom, but especially if you stretch it to a week, even though they lost on penalties to Peterborough, a four-all draw at London Road in the FA Cup replay, um, it's been a very, very positive week, and that is nice. Yeah, and I think the, the off-field issues there as well just leads everyone to... When the end of, of Rahic's time at Bradford, um, I don't know if you can translate that straight into this 4-0 win, but it seems like a, a bit of a watershed week for, for Bradford. Yeah. Um, a team who've had some significant lows in the last few years and uh, and the last couple of months was one of those. Um, credit for sticking with David Hopkins, who's, who's, who's clearly got them um, playing much, much better than, than they were under Michael Collins early on in the season. Um, the ability to score goals at home is, is something that's new and is going to be huge for them. Uh, clean keep, sheet as well. Um, a massive clean sheet as well. <laughs> Um, Not it, been many of them. It's a concern for teams at the bottom end of the table, um, the yeah. likes of AFC Wimbledon and, and Plymouth and, and teams like that, who, who probably saw Bradford as being 
Um, gone. Well, not gone, but just just a dead cert to be down there with them towards the end of the season. Right. And now, because it's just it's filling a space, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you want as many teams struggling as possible, and now it looks like they they're by no means a, a certainty for the relegation scrap. But there's a long way to go. Yeah, there is a long way to go. But positive energy and atmosphere, which was lacking all season, the, and the momentum. Yeah, loads of momentum, mate. It's crazy how much momentum they're packing at the moment. <laughs> uh, and you know, we've said it a number of times before. It was probably a frustrating thing to keep listening to when they weren't doing well but when you've got David Ball who scored on the weekend when you've got Jack Payne when you've got Owen Doyle who's been just terrible this season yeah. compared to what yeah, we expected just, from him yeah. I thought he was a 20 goal cert I think he's um, just someone who needs service mm, um, very positive although having said that he scored goals for a poor Oldham team yeah. so maybe not but I mean you can just list names already Kelvin Meller yeah. Carl Henry Paul Caddis it's a good it's a decent team you know I was talking about Wimbledon squad this is on paper I mean light years ahead mm. so they should be if they can keep the good vibes going if Hopkin can can f- sort of keep going then uh, potential yeah potential where we saw none a few weeks ago uh, thank you very much for listening to the Not The Top 20 podcast we've got three podcasts this week it's getting tiring if I'm honest but in a really good way uh, I'm actually heading up this weekend to interview a manager uh, former head coach and manager of course some teams go with the head coach moniker I'm not going to give away who it is yet but he's a manager that is currently without a job like Michael Appleton who he interviewed a few weeks ago um, but presumably not necessarily for much longer um, so I'm really excited to be in conversation uh, with a manager to get some insight on what it's like when you are out of a job just the the, the logistics almost I'm interested in of how you apply for jobs, how that works. Do they contact you? Do you contact them? Really excited, and hopefully you will too. That should be released on Wednesday evening. We'll have the betting show, of course, Thursday evening probably. Uh, Decent week, certainly for me. Haven't gone through your results yet. And Thursday night, EFL Matters. Yes. Christmas edition, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. Feels like everything's Christmas edition. I just hope they let me wear my Christmas jumper, Um, although it might take away the... Is it an Oxford Christmas jumper? Uh, No comment. Let's just say the first person I ever saw wear it was Joe Scars. <laughs> right, okay. Barry's Joe Scars. Yeah. No. Um, I hope they don't let you wear the Christmas jumper because I don't have a Christmas jumper. So we just look even more stupid than we already do. Fair enough. Um, thanks very much for listening, guys. And we'll talk again on Wednesday. Hope you have a great start to the week and hope you enjoyed a surprise Sunday edition of the Not The Top 20 podcast. <laughs>